0: Good afternoon, and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education, and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now, here's your host, Mary Woods.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and I'm your host today for One Hour at a Time. Um, As you all know, tomorrow is November 11th, and it's Veterans Day. And every year, um, we try to do something to honor the veterans that work for us, and um, I think it's so special that uh, we really begin to look at the people that are willing to um, give their life so the rest of us can can be free and and to do the things that we're so very blessed to do here in America. And uh, our show today is going to be a little different, but I'm really excited. Um, Our guest today is Charles Bud Daisy. He was ni- he was a 19 year old sailor when he landed on Normandy 70 years ago, but is now 89 and he travels around with his D Day in a Box exhibit, Bud visits schools and museums teaching children about what happened there. And I thought that today's show would, is going to be all dedicated to all veterans, but especially those veterans of World War II. And Bud, uh, thank you for being with us today. We're really I'm excited to to have you
2: well it's it's my pleasure to uh, to be on your show and uh, uh, to uh, keep the memory of those that uh, that we lost uh, all over the world and uh, um, they don't talk anymore so uh, um, I try to do the best I can to let kids know what they did and uh, um, and to keep uh, uh, their memories a little bit alive.
1: So where were you on uh december seventh nineteen
2: forty one on december seventh uh,
1: yeah I'm at Pearl harbor day
2: um, <laughs> that's a lot of, my memory is, is getting tough to remember what happened yesterday but uh, uh i i believe uh, i was in school and uh um, uh it was shot because it was shortly after that uh That uh, my uh, brother-in-law and I decided uh, um, that we were going to enlist in the Navy, and uh, uh, you know, I left school, and uh, and uh, the two of us uh, uh, went into Boston, into the federal building, and uh, we enlisted in the U.S. Navy, and uh, uh, that was uh, um, it wasn't too long after the war had started in 1941.
1: So um, can you tell us about what it was like when you joined the Navy? What, what did you learn to do? And
2: uh, Well, uh, uh, number one, I came home and I said to my mother, my, uh, I'm uh, I'm in the Navy, and she says, yeah, right. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, uh, that's it. And then I uh, 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 said, so as far as I can recall, I believe it was like uh, maybe uh, a few days or a week that uh, uh, received a notice from the Navy to uh, report to uh, uh, the Boston uh, Fargo Building, which was the recruiting station for uh, this uh, 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 Section One of the U.S. Navy, and uh, uh, which uh, uh, I did, and uh, and my brother-in-law also, and. Uh, we ended up going to Newport, Rhode Island uh, for, uh, for what they call boot training uh, and uh, I believe that was uh, somewhere in the vicinity of three weeks and uh, uh, to learn how to get along with, uh, with uh, other guys and, uh, and to learn uh, about what was expected of us in the Navy and uh and uh, physically to get us in shape uh for what was lying ahead for us and uh, so, yeah go ahead
1: when were you deployed when uh, was your first deployment
2: well uh, f- from uh, from uh, Newport, we went to uh, uh, a place that was called uh, Little Creek, Virginia, and we were assigned to the amphibious forces and uh uh which is uh uh actually we were assigned to an l s t they were building LSTs, which were landing ships and uh which were needed very badly in order to uh uh to uh carry tanks and troops and uh, and everything connected with them uh into uh, into the beaches to uh, uh to uh, uh help the, all of the uh, the uh Infantry and so forth that had already landed on these foreign shores, and uh, they needed backup help, and uh, they needed tanks, and uh, we were the ones that uh, were to carry them. So uh, uh, I was assigned uh, uh, to uh, LST-344, which was built in Portsmouth, and uh, um, this, uh, this uh, an LST contained a crew of 119, and uh, uh, we learned... Uh, uh, all about how to uh, um, take care of an LST and how to operate it and so forth. And uh, um, uh, we, were, we did that uh, for uh, a short time, and then uh, we sailed uh, from Newport after learning and, and, uh, and uh, uh, being on what they call shakedown cruises, uh, uh, which uh, uh, operated in the Chesapeake Bay area. And uh, 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 from there, we uh, uh, went to from Newport News. We went to New York, and we sailed from New York uh, on uh, April in April of 1943. And uh, we carried uh, on our main deck uh, uh, a smaller ship, which was called an LCT. And uh, this was, these were these carried also tanks, but they could only carry a few, and they couldn't cross the ocean by themselves because yeah, they weren't big enough. So uh, uh, the plan was that somebody come up with a plan to load them on the main deck of the LSTs that were going over there and let them take them over. And once they got over there, they could uh, take them off of the top of the deck, and uh, that would get the LCTs over there, which we did. And uh, we led, we left New York um uh i uh, i believe it was somewhere uh, um in july and uh, 43. and uh we sailed for razu um uh, in north africa uh which is uh, uh the bay of tunis in tunisia and uh this and uh, Montgomery and uh Patton were still fighting Rommel in the desert the desert rats and uh so we operated in that area um, until uh, um, Patton, until uh, Patton and Montgomery defeated Rommel, and uh, and uh, in the uh, Allies took over North Africa. And uh, so now we had uh, places to operate out of, uh, which was needed very badly. So uh, I would say uh, so uh, it was. Uh, um, it was in 1943 that uh, we first got into, uh, and that was in North Africa at uh, where they're fighting now—Benghazi, Tripoli, and so forth.
1: Were there still a lot of U-boats in the Atlantic Ocean then when you were going to, oh, yeah. to North oh, Africa? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But
2: we yes, but we had in our con- we had sailed in a convoy and. Uh, I can't remember now, but there were probably uh, 100 ships in the convoy, but we were completely surrounded by uh, destroyer escorts, uh, uh, submarine chasers. We also had uh, uh, aircraft uh, uh, reconnaissance above us. Uh, on our trip over uh across the ocean so uh, we had uh, we had plenty of protection the only time that you didn't have protection was if you had a problem with your ship and it broke down uh then uh uh, you, you had to fall behind until whatever it was that was, needed repairs was repaired, and then catch up to the convoy. But in those days, uh, there was a lot of U-boats out there, and uh, you know, looking for convoys. And uh, uh, fortunately, uh, uh, most of them uh, uh, did repair whatever was was wrong with the ship in order to stay uh, with the convoy. And uh, uh, that was one of the things that we dreaded. Uh, something goes wrong. Uh, you're out there all by yourself, and it's like a sitting duck and uh, easy prey for any con- any uh, submarines that were in the area.
1: So an LST has a crew of over 100 people. How big was it?
2: A uh, 350 foot long and 50 foot wide, which is across the uh, main deck.
1: So is is that the same thing as a Liberty ship?
2: No, no, it's entirely different. Liberty ships carry uh, uh, just uh, personnel. We carried fifteen t- on our main, on our uh, tank deck, which was uh, below below the main deck. We had we could carry fifteen tanks, fifteen Sherman tanks, and uh, above that deck, uh, we carried all. Ca- well, uh, uh, on the way going to uh, over to uh, Europe, we carried the LCT. Which took up the whole top of the main deck. Uh, once we got over there, and got and and, uh, uh, and uh, they had the LCT taken off, which was done by uh, tilting the ship, and uh, it, the LCT was placed on the top of the main deck on uh, um, on big uh, uh, timbers, and they were chained down. And uh, once we got over there, uh, the uh, uh, what happened was it would pump uh, seawater into the starboard side of the ship and out of the port side, which tilted the ship. Once it was tilted enough, then uh, uh, the chains that held the LCT on the top were uh, knocked off and they just slid off into the water. After that, then on the main deck, on the top deck, we could carry. Uh, Ambulances, jeeps, uh, two and a half ton trucks, uh, uh, half tracks. So we we carried quite a load uh, every time we went. And uh, there was one thousand fifty-five of these LSTs that were built uh, during the war. And they were getting it was they were so important uh, that uh, Churchill and uh, and uh, Roosevelt uh, and Stalin they. They uh, they were the ones that came up with the idea that they needed a ship that would go as far up onto the beach as possible and could carry as much equipment as possible and retract off of the beach and uh, return to where they came from uh, to bring more uh, supplies back. So uh, the LSTs all of a sudden became uh, the most important things to build. In fact, they stopped building aircraft carriers in some places to start building LSTs, and they could—they got so good that they could build one in a month, and wow. uh, uh, and they were building them in any place that they could uh, that they could find a shipyard. Uh, they started building the LSTs. And, uh, so you
1: would you would deliver things to the beach, and then you would load up and take things back to the uh, bigger ships. did you, uh,
2: or did know. you just? You no, know, we'd go keep back going back
1: and forth across from America to um, North Africa.
2: No, no, no. This is this was all done in the Mediterranean. Okay. Uh, once, once we, uh, once Africa was uh, secured by the Allies, uh, that, that then that provided bases for us to work from in order to start uh, uh, the invasions of uh, of Sicily and Italy, and uh, and to start. Uh, uh, invading the mainland uh, of Europe so that uh, eventually uh, uh, they could keep on going in, uh, into Berlin. And, uh, but they needed bases, other than England, to work out of. And, uh, uh, and in the Mediterranean, we were the first LST groups that were into the Mediterranean, as far as I know. And uh, uh, so we used the North, North African bases once, once North Africa was secured, then the next uh, uh, target was Sicily. And uh, uh, our, our uh, projects and our, our job was to bring supplies from that we had already bought over before to Africa. Now uh, that that was secured, uh, the job was to take all of the equipment, uh, the General Sherman tanks and so forth, on invasions into Sicily. And uh, we invaded uh, uh, a little town called Gela, G-E-L-A, in Sicily. And my brother-in-law, who was on the LST-309 uh, and traveled with us all the time, uh, he, was, uh, he landed in, in a little town called Licata, which was like uh, five miles apart from uh, uh, where, uh, where I was. And uh, this was the initial attack uh, into Sicily and uh once that uh that uh, the germans were uh were uh, uh beaten and defeated in sicily uh uh the next uh the next uh target was uh was italy and uh to to, to get to the mainland and uh uh so in the meantime like you just said uh, we were we were going back and forth from uh, uh, places uh, like in Tripoli and Bizerte and Oran and Algiers, bringing the, all the equipment that fought Rommel in the desert to Sicily. And uh, when that was secured, now everything was in Sicily, so it was just a matter of...
1: So it was just a matter of... Uh, you served in every theater of in the European... Every every place in the European theater then, Bud? Yeah,
2: I did, yeah.
1: Wow that's quite a that's quite a history do you saw it all
2: yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah we, we often thought of that. the guys uh you know we were the beginning we were the first ones over there and uh, we were on the first LSTs that were built and uh, uh we just uh, we, we just happen to be uh, the ones that were in the position to be uh, the beginning of every every one of the invasions over there, and uh, as such as uh, uh, when we went in a Cis- uh, to Italy after after we we made five trips back and forth from uh, uh, Africa to Sicily, and uh, after that was uh, like I said secured. Then uh, uh, the next thing was Italy, and we landed at the Salerno in Italy, which was. Uh, a very difficult landing. In fact, it was so bad uh, that it was called Bloody Salerno. And uh, by that time, uh, Rommel had set up his Panzer divisions in uh, uh, in uh, in Italy, knowing that uh, the Allies were going to be invading there, such as Anzio, Naples, and uh, and Salerno. And it just so happened that. Uh, my brother in and I, the 309 and the 344, we were we were the ones that landed at Salerno, and uh, it was uh, it was such a uh, difficult landing that uh, when we went into the beach, uh, everybody got hit pretty hard to the point that uh, we had to go back into the beach after we had uh, uh, emptied uh, emptied uh, uh, all the equipment that we had and. Uh, such as the tanks and everything, and uh, it, it was so the the, uh, uh, the uh, infantry and everybody else that landed on the beach they got beat up so bad that we had to go back into the beach and take them off the beach and uh, uh, and uh, until that area was secured more by uh, uh, our aircraft bombing the beaches before we went back in again. And to eliminate everything that was uh, causing us trouble.
1: And we'll be right back after this commercial break to hear more about um, Bud's experiences both in Italy and um, D-Day in Normandy. And we'll be right back after this commercial.
0: Steps to a healthier you
4: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders that's westbridge.org family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders
3: you're listening to voice america health and
0: wellness You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now,
1: let's get back to Mary and
0: One Hour at a Time.
1: Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and I'm your host today. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be talking to Charles Bud Daisy, who was a 19-year-old sailor from Winthrop, Massachusetts, in case you picked up on his accent, um, and he actually had the privilege of being in every European theater of operation. You were in North Africa and Sicily and Italy, and you were also part of um, the biggest armada of all time um the d day invasion and um but I, I, as i was thinking about this bud you know how much shore leave did you get
2: were, were you <laughs> able to get ashore uh the only thing that i can ever remember was uh uh shore leave was uh uh in tripoli and uh that was uh that was after uh um, shortly after uh uh, Rama was defeated and uh and Montgomery and Patton had taken over all of North Africa. They uh skipper uh, decided to uh, to give us uh liberty and uh you know for the day and uh uh so we uh we went into uh, Tripoli and uh, I can I can all the one thing that I always remembered was it was the first time that uh we ever uh, were walking down the main street in Tripoli in our white uniforms because he made us wear whites uh, to go ashore. And uh, uh, I remember uh, that uh, the first time that I would ever seen and I never heard of them before were French Gurkhas, and those were uh, uh, they were mountain uh, fighters that, uh, that used a knife and uh, they just. Uh, the uh war uh uh it, it was like uh well just like a, a sharp suit really and uh, tur- uh, uh turban hats with tassels on them and uh uh and they were night uh, night fighters that were on our side that fought for uh, for the allies and uh they were called uh, Gurkhas. and uh uh the reason i could always remember them because they all looked like giants walking down the street and uh, once they uh, took that knife out of the sheath uh their their custom was they had to draw blood and Oh, wow so uh, uh so i always that was the one thing and the only thing i think that uh, and uh, i can remember we uh, we had a few guys that uh uh we decided to uh, to try. They told us don't drink any water uh, because, uh, 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 you know, it would make you sick. So uh, naturally, guys went to uh, uh, wine, vino. We called it vino. And uh, yeah. uh, so uh, some of the guys, uh, they had a little too much vino. And uh, I can remember uh, uh, one of the guys on our ship, pointing at these Gurkhas and kind of uh, laughing, and uh, the shore patrol came along and said, hey, get him out of here and get him back on your ship before he gets killed. And uh, that was the one thing that I could always remember about that, and that, and that was the Tripoli. That was the only place that we had liberty uh, to go ashore um, that I could remember um, until we got to England. Uh, the only you were time.
1: a long time on that
2: ship. Oh
1: yeah,
2: you you yeah. Yeah, the only ones that went ashore was the small boat crews, and they went into uh, uh, ashore uh, to pick up mail, uh, uh, letters from home, and uh, uh, or uh, to uh, perform some uh, uh, ship-to-ship uh, operation. And so, those were the only ones that ever got off the ship.
1: So when you went to England to get ready for D-Day, did
2: you go to, where were you? Were you in
1: Southampton,
2: or where, uh, where no, were you? No, we went to, uh, we went from Oran or in Africa, um, uh, in Algiers, uh, uh, to Plymouth, uh, to Plymouth, uh, Devon, in, in England. Uh, actually, uh, um, uh, we went, actually, we went to Scotland first, and, uh 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 um and from Scotland uh uh that was uh um around December and uh uh, uh leaving from Iran and, and Algiers, we went to Devon, England and then from there we went to uh Glasgow uh, to uh Helensburg in Scotland and uh which was uh, a base there was a lot of LSTs that were that were with us uh that they the use in the Mediterranean was no longer needed and uh because by that time uh Italy had been uh, uh our uh, troops uh had uh, had gone way up beyond uh, uh Salerno and uh, Anzio Naples and uh they were well into the mainland on the way uh now uh uh, uh on their way to uh to Germany uh so so we uh we land uh we were in Devon, England, and we uh, and uh, we went from there to Scotland and from Scotland um uh, we uh uh which was Helensburg, we went from there to Londonderry Island. And uh Londonderry Island had a uh, a new base and uh uh a navy base.
1: So um how long were you there before d day
2: well uh what what uh what had to be done at uh at londonderry was uh we had uh um a lot of the ships had to be repaired because some of us uh uh caught a lot of flack and needed to be uh, needed to be the holes needed to be patched up and uh uh, uh we had uh one of our one one of the uh the uh, guns that we had on a ship was called a three-inch fifty gun, and it was a, it was a, supposed to be an aircraft gun, uh, which was on the uh, the rear of the LST, the fan, what they call the pantail, and it was actually uh, being a gunner's mate. I always thought it was useless, and so did the rest of us because it it wasn't really effective, and uh, from uh, uh, trying to knock any planes down, and you needed too big a crew in order to operate it, so. Uh, what they decided to do was to get rid of it and, and replace it with twin-mount 40 millimeters, which was a great aircraft gun. And that was to protect us from any planes that would be flying over us while we were landing on the beach in Normandy. So uh, all of the LSTs uh, had these taken off and uh, replaced with the twin-mount 40s, and they also added more some more twin-mount 40s uh, on the bow of the ship, uh, uh, at this at this point, there were a lot of new, brand new LSTs that were coming over to uh, uh, to uh, participate in the invasion uh, of Normandy, and uh, so uh, uh, we, uh, uh, we 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 uh, uh, not took it upon ourselves, but they had uh, classes. So we, we showed a lot of the uh, new the new uh, crews that were coming over and the new LSTs. Uh, what to do because uh you know they often said to us geez, you guys have been over here a long time so you you know you can tell us what it's like and uh to be under combat and uh and uh, uh and uh, so we did and uh and that was where uh, we had uh, we had plenty of liberty up there and uh, we could go from uh uh Londonderry to Belfast and uh um uh, we could uh, which we the Londonderry shipyard was right next to the Irish Free State and uh, you could go into the Irish free State the only thing was that you couldn't have anything that showed uh, United States on it and uh, which uh, the Navy uh, uh, they uh, they were the ones that came out and and uh, refrain from any of that. So, uh, but uh, you know, I used to go ashore at uh, at Londonderry and uh, visit uh, visit all the pubs and so forth, and then uh, uh, then from there, uh, uh, well, I came off of the ship there because I uh, 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 all of a sudden uh, I felt uh, a pain in my stomach and I went down to uh, to. Uh, uh, see the, uh, to sickbay to see a pharmacist, mate, and uh, he came up with the idea, he said, you got a hernia, i got to get you off and have a fix. So I ended up in a hospital, uh, which was actually a Quonset hut at the Navy, uh, at the Navy base right there on Londonderry, and uh, uh, I had a, a hernia operation, and... Uh, uh, and I, I was in that hospital uh, which took, was a concert for I don't even remember now two or three weeks I guess and uh, um, uh, and in fact I, one of the reasons I can remember is because uh, there was a bunch of uh, uh, doctors that came in uh, to visit me and they had some Russian doctors with them and uh, uh, I was one of the first ones that had an opera- uh, uh, a hernia operation uh, with the spinal and cause oh wow! My, that was yeah. That was uh, kind of a new uh, uh, experiment. With new technique, uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, I can remember them standing by my bed, and uh, they used to, in those days they used to raise the foot of the bed up on blocks so that yeah. your head head would be below your feet.
1: Yeah.
2: Because they claimed uh, if it wasn't, uh, you'd get tremendous headaches, and I can remember hearing them say and. Uh, uh, the the American doctors saying to uh, the Navy doctors saying to the Russians, uh, you know, his, his young fellow just had this spinal we've been talking about. And, uh, and how do you feel? And I said, I feel fine. And uh, so in the meantime, my LST left Londonderry. And I went down to Southampton. And uh, I, uh, I received a letter, which I still have, uh, from... Uh, the uh, the gunnery officer on the 344 and uh, uh, a letter saying as soon as you get, uh, uh, as soon as they, they uh, let you go, you know, from the hospital, we've made arrangements to uh, uh, to get on another LST that's coming down to Southampton. And uh, uh, and when you get down here, uh, then you have the signalman signal across to, uh, to us that we'll send a small boat over to pick you up. So uh, that's what I did. I went down uh, on another LST and uh, rode that down to Southampton. And uh, uh, when I got down there, then I just went up, had the signalman on the, that LST signal on the 344 that I was back, and they sent a boat, a, a small boat over to pick me up. And uh, that was that was almost like coming home. I'm back yeah. on, on my old little LST again, and it was. That was, a, I can remember, that was a happy uh, happy feeling, Jan, uh, doing
1: that. So, so on June 6,
2: 1944,
1: yeah. um, that was D-Day, and yeah. we had more than 5,000 ships and 13,000 aircraft that supported the invasion, and that was the first time that any invading army had crossed the English Channel since 1688. What was that like? What was D-Day like for you?
2: Well, actually... Uh, it, uh we li- we left uh, southampton uh, um um uh, uh on the fifth because it, the d uh, day was supposed to be the fifth not the sixth and uh um it, the weather uh, was bad wasn't it? it the weather yeah that's right the weather was so bad that uh, uh you know the the, the uh uh Montgomery and Churchill and uh they all got together and said uh, uh you know uh, we're wondering whether we should cancel this thing because we're gonna lose a lot of guys this weather is so bad a lot of them are going to drown before they even get to the you know get into the beach and uh um, uh so so they decided you know they they uh they had a meeting with Eisenhower and uh Um, He uh, he said uh, uh, they told him you know uh, about the the weather forecast and everything else. So he's and uh, uh, they're they're thinking of uh, of uh, foregoing the landing and postponing it for. And if they did, they'd have to postpone it for the changing of a whole tide. And uh, uh, which uh, they said uh, uh, to Eisenhower, you know, we we've got. Thousands of guys sitting in airplanes on runways waiting to go. We get get thousands of guys on LSTs and LCTs and LCIs and everything else uh, waiting back in England to go. And uh, if we don't, uh, uh, you know, we've got to do something quick and... uh, um, and uh, to plan on, on on what we're going to do, and, and that would have taken, like I said, the changing of a tide and everything else. So so Eisenhower he said, "Well, uh, l- let me be alone in my office, and I'll make a decision on what to do." And so he went into. This is a story that uh, that I've read and heard about, and. Uh, he went uh, he went by himself and he come back out and he said to all uh, Matt Clark and Omar Bradley and the rest of them uh, Patton and he said uh, okay we go and uh, whatever happens uh, it the blame is on me and uh, so he was he was ready to take the blame for whether it was uh, successful or not so uh, so we left and it, and it got it got so bad uh going across the channel that uh, we had to anchor uh, and uh um, out uh, uh, off of the beaches and uh um, and uh until it subsided uh, to someone in the meantime uh naturally we're getting shell from uh um, gun emplacements on the uh uh on the beach at Omaha Juno and uh, uh, Utah and so on, and the rest of the, the beaches at Normandy, and but we also had thousands of planes above us protecting us too, and uh, also battleships behind us. So what our captain de- did was uh, uh, kept the engines running all the time, and uh, with the chain, with the anchor chain down, so that we wouldn't move too far away, and he could ride uh, with what. Uh, Ride back up on the. It naturally, it stretched the chain out to the uh, the extent of the length of it, and then he would keep, uh, make the engine go ahead to to make the ship ride back up on the chain again, so that we wouldn't lose our anchor, and uh, we did that until we finally uh, uh, the the beach was uh, 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 secured enough for uh, the beach uh, control. Uh, to uh, um, notify us by signal uh, it was time for us to come into the beach.
1: And we'll be right back after this commercial break with more um, with Bud and and his memories of D-Day. We'll be right back.
3: Steps to a healthier you
4: Common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders.
3: You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness
1: Welcome back to One Hour of Time. This is Mary Wood, and our guest today is Charles Bud Daisy, who um, is a veteran of World War II and a veteran of every theater of operation in Europe. And um, we're very happy and blessed to have you today. Bud, you were talking to us about um, what it was like to be tethered to the anchor waiting to be able to land for the beach to be secured. How many trips did you make back and forth between Omaha Beach and, and England?
2: Uh, uh, as far as I can remember, it was four or five, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, uh, after the fourth or fifth trip, uh, Captain got us together, and he said, I've got some good news for you guys, and, uh, I'll tell you when we get back to England, and, uh, when we did, we got back to Southampton, and he said, all right, I, uh, you know, everybody, uh, uh, muster up on the main deck, and, uh. Uh, I, I'll tell you what the news is. So we all went up to the main deck, and he said, okay, theres uh, I think it was 16 to my memory. Uh, he said, well, I've got 16 names that uh, you guys have uh, uh, been selected to uh, to uh, go back home, have your leave, and uh, they're building new lsts and uh, uh, you're going to be part of the new crew. So uh, that's what happened. He read the names off mine, it was one of them. Uh, I came home. Uh, we went into New York and then back to Boston. And I had a thirty-day leave. Uh, uh, from there, I went uh, back to uh, Virginia, where my orders uh, called for me to be, to go. And once I got there, uh, uh, we, we we just uh, we were assigned to a barracks and uh, to wait for assignments uh, uh, to be part of a new LST. Uh, the war was still going on in Japan. They needed, they needed LSTs now over in the Pacific. They had some, but they needed more. And uh, they were building uh, LSTs uh, everywhere. And uh, so uh, my news, I got news to uh, report to uh, uh, the Hingham Shipyard in Hingham, Massachusetts. And uh, uh, I picked up a, a brand-new LST, which was LST number uh, 1066, And uh, with with a a bunch of new young fellows that uh, were just coming into the Navy, and uh, we uh, outfitted uh, that LST, and we taught them uh, uh, on what to do and how to handle an LST. Uh,
1: Now, have you been back to Omaha Beach? Have you been back since um, 1944?
2: Oh yeah, I went back twice. Uh, my wife went with me once, and uh, but uh, tell you the truth, she was more. We were going we, Our trip was planned for that plus Paris, and she was more interested in going to Paris naturally, and uh, uh, so uh, we didn't spend that much time at uh, at uh, uh, at at uh, Omaha Beach. But uh, six years ago, uh, I'm still working at the airport, and the people that I work for. Um, uh, uh, he mentioned that he has a friend of his who is a neighbor and was at D-Day in Normandy, and he says to me, I know you were, and I've been thinking about something. So uh, he said, I'll let you know. So about a week later, he calls me, and he said, uh, uh, we're going to uh, to uh, Omaha. And uh, he says, you can call your brother-in-law, and uh, he can come with us, too. So uh, there was five of us, uh, uh, or six of us, that went back to uh to Omaha and uh, he made all the arrangements. And uh, um, uh, and uh, the, and uh, uh, I don't think he would mind me saying uh, that I'm kind of uh, indebted to, to him. I think it was a great suggestion. He took care of the whole thing. And uh, uh, it's an air freight company called Horizon and Logan Airport. And uh, um, they uh, 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 the, the son of the company, he came with us, and we we went over. There. We stayed over there for five days. I believe it was two days in London, uh, two days at Normandy, and then back to London, and then back home. And it was uh, it was just a, a great, fantastic trip. And uh, uh, that's when I took a picture of uh, of uh, the Normandy, uh, the Omaha Cemetery at uh, at Normandy. And uh, from that uh, that picture, I've made a. a uh, uh, a large uh, um, uh, uh, had it blown up and had it laminated so whenever I do anything at schools in uh, uh, talk with the kids that's the first thing I show them and uh, I let them pass it around and because it's uh, to me it's uh, uh, it's something that should never be forgotten because uh, if it wasn't for these guys wasn't for these guys we wouldn't be, uh, be doing, the things we wouldn't, that doing we wouldn't be doing or saying the things that we could say today
1: that's for sure that's for sure um, you know that's I I had the privilege of being there in September at the Omaha Beach Cemetery and um, and you look at the ages I mean some of these people were younger than my son and um, right yeah. you know they they truly did sacrifice their life and and their children and and everything so that the rest of us could could have what we have today and well, it's, uh, it's, known it's known re-
2: as, is known as the cemetery of teens 16 17 18
1: and nineteen yeah
2: and you know uh, I'm doing a thing uh, Tuesday on Veterans Day I'm a guest speaker at uh, uh, at uh, ceremonies and once, and I got to thinking, we have uh, forty two uh, uh, military markers throughout our town and uh, uh, with names of a lot of these kids on it and I, and I got to thinking uh, here's, a, here's a spot where this marker stands that some little boy at one time played, lived. And went off to war and never came home. Right. And and that's one of the things that I'm going to try to impress on the people uh, Tuesday. Also, there's 42 American military cemeteries all over the world. And uh, uh, each one of them is maintained uh, daily. And... uh, uh, some of them contain some of our kids from the town I live in so uh, 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 a lot of people aren't aware of that and uh uh but i'm trying to I'm trying to make them be aware of it and uh and I carry this little picture in my wallet in my pocket and it's a it's a it's a small picture of that cemetery that you saw and uh uh, uh I don't know whether you know it or not, but there's nine thousand three hundred and eighty seven that uh, remains of of, uh, servicemen and women that are buried there. And there's also uh, 38 pairs of brothers, one father and a son that are side by side, Uh, the three Medal of honor winners, 307 unknown, and four women. And there's also one president's son, which was Roosevelt Jr. And... uh, I s whenever anybody says anything it says to me thank you for your service, uh I show them this picture and I think it's self explanatory.
1: You know, that seems to be the way most of you guys feel that um I've I've heard a number of you all say that the heroes are the ones that we left there.
2: Exactly. Yeah, we were um, just we were just lucky and I say to my brother in law, uh uh, we play golf together every Tuesday, and uh, and uh, whether we play good or bad, and uh, kind of watchfully, I usually play pretty good because I used to coach the high school golf team for years, and uh, so I have always been able to play fairly good. And then if I play lousy, he said, "What do you complain about? We're on top of the grass aren't We all our pals are dead." And uh, right. and he's he's right. Uh, there's very few of us left now, and we're going you know very fast, and. Uh, but, uh, uh, we, oh, and I, oh, one other little story that I always uh, tell the kids at school, uh, and uh, you, people might get a, uh, it's kind of, a, we be, made a kind of a joke. We grew up together in the same corner um, uh, of town. We played ball together. Uh, we, we did everything together, and, uh, and we enlisted. We, the two of us went in and enlisted together. We were together all the time. He was on the LST-309. I was the 344, but our I, I ships were in what they called a flotilla. And I think a flotilla is a, is a, a group of uh, LSTs of like nine. And uh, he was, every every landing I was at, he was there. And then finally, when we got home I said, and we were discharged, I said, Jeez, I'm tired of looking at you. And he ends up marrying my sister. So I got him for the rest of my life. And we've kind of made a joke out of that. And. Uh, uh, but he's a retired police officer, and uh, Bob Oliver, and a uh, uh, good guy. He took good care of my sister when she was pretty sick. And uh, and uh, like I said, we play golf together every Tuesday, and he said, you know something? He said, uh, how lucky we are. And I said, yeah, I know it. Uh, we uh, Everybody in town knows us, and uh, especially where he was a police officer. And uh, um, so... Uh, uh we, 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 you know we we have a little bit of a humor attached to our service
1: well, I think that's how all you guys survived. I think that you've, you've all been able to see the glasses being half full as opposed to being half empty. And I want to thank you and thank you for doing our show today. And um, this is a really a significant achievement by our veterans. And tomorrow's Veterans Day, if you know a veteran, um, buy them a cup of coffee or shake his hand, thank them. Even though they don't believe that they're heroes, they they still went out and did things that the rest of us didn't do. So um, for that, i think Thank you very much bud
2: well i th- I think if this opportunity to uh, uh, you know to, to uh to talk and uh, uh, to tell my story of uh, of uh of my service and 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 what I think about uh, uh what I think about it and uh uh what we did and uh, uh you know we're, uh we, we were a bunch of kids that uh that left home and uh school and work and uh, um, to join up with a bunch of other kids and uh, to fight against what was called the master race and uh, their 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 uh, their theory was uh, they used to say that that uh, uh, they rule Germany today tomorrow the world well they didn't realize that a bunch of American kids learn very fast and uh, and that's what, that's what, uh, what I try to. Convey to the kids that I talked.
1: Thank you so much, Bud, and have a have a good Veterans Day and um, good luck with your golf game on Tuesday.
2: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mary, and I hope to uh, see you again soon, soon, sometime.
1: Okay, thank you, and have a great week, everyone, and happy Veterans Day to everyone who served